0: Today in our study here in the Gospel of Luke, we come to Luke chapter 23 to the account of the criminal on the cross. The criminal that was crucified with Jesus on the cross. Now, it is a very familiar account. It is an often cited account that we will look at today. One of the hymns that we love to sing, one of the hymns that we hold dear, has a verse in it that says... The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. I'm not sure the author of that song, a man named William Cowper, Writing in 1772 two fifty years ago understood the depth of his words, the the beauty and the truth of those words and our likeness to that thief, that criminal on the cross. You see, the truth is we see great similarities between ourselves and our salvation and that of the criminal on the cross and Today we can learn much about our salvation, more than that, about our Savior Jesus by again observing this scene. Today our message is entitled, Remember Me. Remember Me. We're in Luke chapter 23, today verses 39 through 43. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Remember Me. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 39, God's word says this. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for the truth of the gospel of our salvation. More than that, I'm thankful for the Savior, Jesus, the good news of that gospel. Lord, we come today and we worship Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. I pray as we begin to, to study today that it would well up inside of us a, a renewed adoration for our Savior. Lord, I pray that you would teach us today, that you would train us. I pray we would see some, some tremendous truth today, Clearly from your word, I pray that you would speak through a supernatural means. Again, the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus, that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that today, in the hearing of this gospel, in the preaching of the good news, in the drawing of your spirit, Lord, I pray that this day, this very hour, will be the day, the hour of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you're glorified here today, that you're worshiped that you're known. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today, as we get into our study, we need to again regain the mindset that first, this is the actual, factual, historical, literal account of Jesus' crucifixion. Very simply, these are the facts as They happened. You want to know what happened? Exactly as it happened, these are those facts. These are those details that we're observing today. That's the first thing. Understand, this is the literal historical account of the crucifixion of Jesus. The second thing is this. Be sure this is recorded here for a reason. See that. This is recorded here for a reason. God is deliberate He is wise, he is intentional in what he records for us in his word. And so be sure this precise account is here for a reason. Now, I believe the reason is this. I believe it is to give us a practical, approachable, visible display of our gospel and that's why i believe this is here when we come across this passage and we wonder what's happening i believe this is giving us a a visible expression a visible knowledge of our gospel you see our gospel is deep it is complex it is unreal it is astounding to some parts of it are too much for us to really comprehend but but here in this event i believe god is putting our gospel on display and so I believe his gospel is here for us to examine to to take in and to study in this event and I believe that's what this is about and so that's what we intend to do today today I'm going to go through the verses and then we will go back and pull out the truths today about our salvation starting in verse 39 one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying are you not the christ save yourself and us the bible says one of the criminals there were two criminals who were crucified with jesus one of the criminals he is there nailed to his own cross and the bible says he is hurling abuse at jesus the verb tense is It was a continual thing. He he not only did it, but he kept it up. He is hurling abuse from his cross directed at Jesus. Now, he is saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Imagine that for just a second. Picture that for just a second. Here is this criminal nailed to his cross in excruciating pain, there in agony, and nailed to that cross. He is so vile that even in that situation, he is hurling abuse over at Jesus. Now again, remember, this is the logic, the worldly logic of last week. If you were who you claim to be, you wouldn't be here If you truly are the Savior, then save yourself. If you are the Messiah of God, the one sent of God, you wouldn't be suffering here at the hands of men. If you are the king of the Jews, how is this your fate? Nailed up here with common criminals. It is a logical argument. And this criminal is hurling these insults at Jesus. You're no savior. You're no king. You're not the Messiah. And he is repeating back the world's logic Insulting Jesus. See this. This is a rejection of Christ's claims. And so this is a rejection of Jesus. We need to make that connection. When you reject what Christ says, when you reject what Christ claims, you are rejecting Christ you are denying Christ. Be sure to make that that connection. When you reject the claims of Jesus Christ, you're denying Jesus Christ. Well, that is what this guy is doing here from his own cross. He is rejecting Jesus. You're not the Savior. You're not the Messiah. You're nobody's king. He is rejecting Jesus from his own cross. Verse 40 again. Verse 40, but the other answered... And rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Now verse 40 starts with a but. Again, it's a word of contrast. But there is a different way of thinking. He is hurling abuse, but there's a different way of thinking. It says, but he was rebuking him. Now in the original language, in the Greek, the, the rebuking means He is chiding him. He is warning him. Or it means he is sternly telling him, do you not even fear God? You're about to die. Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? He is saying, you are on your cross. How dare you? Who do you think you are? But the other answered and rebuking him said, do do you not even fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. Verse 41. And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. He says we are suffering justly. We earned this. This is right. For us, this is the right thing for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. He says, we have earned this. This is just, this is right, the punishment that we receive. But this man has done nothing wrong. For the third time in short order, first with Pilate, second with Herod, and now with this criminal, the declaration is he... Is innocent. He's innocent. He has done nothing wrong. Now I think it's it's deeper than that right here. It says, This man has done nothing wrong. Another translation says, He has done nothing amiss. Done nothing amiss. In the original, it means it is as it should be. Now, what he's saying is this: what he says. Is true. He is being killed, but because he claims to be the Messiah, and yet nothing here is amiss. Now we're going to see that played out. Verse 42. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into when you come in your kingdom. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom he was saying, now it's the same verb tense here, it is continual. The other is continually hurling abuse at Jesus. He is continually insulting Jesus. Well this one also, this criminal also is continually saying but he is saying, remember me. Remember me. In the original language it means be mindful of. Intentionally recall be deliberate in thinking of me. He's not saying, I hope that it comes to mind again. He's not saying, I hope sometime later in passing. He is saying, intentionally recall me. Be deliberate to remember me. He says, remember me when you come into your, when you come in your kingdom. Now this is a big statement. And maybe really it's a, it's a, a linchpin, a henchpin of, of the whole thing. When you come into your kingdom, when he says your kingdom, this criminal is embracing that Jesus is who he says he is. When you come into your kingdom, he is admitting he is the Messiah. When he says, when you come into your kingdom, your kingdom, he is admitting he is the savior, the the one sent from God. He is the king. And so this is a great statement of faith when he says, your kingdom. He cries out to Jesus repeatedly, remember me, don't forget me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a great statement of knowledge and a great statement of faith. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Verse 43. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus answers, verse 43. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise. The word truly here means truthfully. And, and really, it's, it, it's a demonstrative thing saying, see this, truthfully, this is it. I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, those are the verses. That is the account. Out of that account, from those verses, we are now gonna look at the gospel our gospel, the gospel of our salvation as it's declared in this event. Now, as we start, again, I want you to be clear on two things. First is this. This is here for a reason. God has included this for a reason, and so we're going to examine it. The second thing is this, and listen very carefully. How the criminal on the cross is saved is the same way that we are saved. Now, I want you to listen to that very carefully. That's gonna be very important. How the criminal on the cross is saved is the same way that we are saved. In fact, it is the same way that anybody has ever been saved. You see, there are not several ways to be saved. There's not even two ways to be saved. And so the same way that the criminal is saved is the same way that anyone will ever be saved. And so the truths that we see here in this gospel account are gonna apply to us all. This is our gospel. Now we're gonna move and look at what we find in this account. I pulled out nine different truths that we see in how the criminal is saved. Now, the first one is this. The first one is is a sad truth. It is a sad reality, and it is this: many with the same opportunity will deny Jesus and miss salvation. That's the first thing. Many with the same opportunity will deny Jesus and miss salvation. That. That first criminal, if you think about him, he had heard the same claims. He had heard the same words. He was in the same proximity as Christ. He was in the the same closeness to Jesus. He saw the same events unfold on the the days leading in. He saw the same events unfold on this day. And yet he rejected Jesus. Truth is this, many with the same opportunities will deny and miss Jesus. That, that seems like a hard thing to understand for me. You know why? I sit there and go, how can you see Jesus and deny him? How can you hear this, this truth and deny him? But the Bible says, narrow is the way. Many will have the same opportunity and will deny and reject Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. He was, and we are, saved by faith, and not of any work. That's the second thing we see here in this gospel. He was, we are, saved by faith and not of any work. Now, this may be the clearest picture of this anywhere. The Bible says that in the book of Ephesians, but this may be the clearest picture of this anywhere. You see, his hands are nailed to the cross. His feet are nailed to the cross. Not one thing, not one thing could he do So he was saved by his faith, not of any work. Listen, that's the the way any person's ever been saved. That's how Abraham's saved. That's how Peter and John are saved. That's how this criminal's saved. That's how we're saved as well. It is by faith, not of any work of man, lest he should boast. And with his hands nailed to the cross, with his feet nailed to the cross, with not one thing could he do, he is saved by faith. Now, I hear this sometimes about this situation and other ones. People will say, well, maybe it was a special circumstance. Well, maybe God did a different thing for this individual or this case. Listen, that's not the case. No person will ever be saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. He is saved by faith. Third thing, and it's tied very closely to this, but it needs to be said, And that is this, baptism had not one thing to do with his salvation. Baptism had not one thing to do with his salvation. Baptism, and let's just say it, and no act or no ordinance of the church ever saves any person. To say so is not the gospel. How the criminal is saved is how we're saved. Understand, there's not many ways to be saved. There's not even two ways to be saved. No work or ordinance of the church ever saved any person. Listen, that sounds like a hard thing today. That sounds like a hard declaration today. But I want you to understand, that is good news for us today. Jesus did it. Jesus settled it. Jesus finished it. Jesus left not one thing undone, not baptism, not any work of man. Jesus did it in salvation is settled in him. Baptism doesn't save us. The fourth thing, thing—that this is awesome as well, fourth thing we see in our gospel here from the criminal's cross is that the magnitude and gravity of our sin can't keep us from the grace of Jesus Christ. What an awesome picture this is. This guy is a rebel. He's an insurrectionist. Most likely, he's tied to at least one murder. To be on this cross, to have this form of execution administered to him, he would have had to have been a vile man, a wicked man. He even admits it of himself. He says, "We've deserved this. This terrible death. This is just for us." He admits who he is. He is an evil man. Friends, I want you to understand. No sin, not one sin can keep us from Jesus and the offering of his grace. There's no distance too far. There's no sin too great. Oh, you don't know what I've done. Oh, you don't know my past. Oh, you don't know the the wickedness of my heart. Listen, not one sin, a murderer nailed to this cross, not one sin can keep you from the grace of Jesus Christ. And there may I, though vile as him, wash all my sins away. Though vile as him, wash all my sins away. Friends, that's good news. That's good news. Fifth thing we see in the gospel here of this criminal's cross. Fifth thing is this, and it's a big deal. Understanding our sin and repenting of that sin are part of having a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, at first, that sounds like a complicated thing, but but hear that again. Understanding our sin and repenting of that sin are part of having a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, just follow with me. You are saved when you place your faith in You're saved when you place your trust in Jesus as Savior. Born for you today as a Savior. We're, We're saved when we put our faith in Christ as our Savior. Well, the question this then is, Savior from what? It is from sin. See this. This guy admits his sin. This guy acknowledges his sin. I did it. We did it. This is just I earned this. We did it. I did it. He repents of that sin and he turns to Jesus. I want you to listen to me and hear me very carefully today. A sinless gospel, a repentanceless gospel, a gospel that doesn't address sin, that doesn't call us to hate it, to cause us to be sorrowful of it is not a gospel. We can be saved by. You understand that? It's not the gospel. If it doesn't address sin, if it doesn't call for our turning, our hatred of that sin, our leaving of that sin, it's not the gospel. How the criminal is saved, we are also saved. There's not several ways to be saved, there's not even two ways to be saved. He admits his sin, he repents, and he turns to Jesus. Let me tell you something. In 2019 on this one issue there's a whole lot of folks that have abandoned the gospel. And you can go to churches and you'll hear churches that'll go ahead and publicly announce it You can hear preachers, and there's preachers that go ahead and publicly announce it. They'll talk about, we don't need to repent. They'll talk about, well, we don't talk much about sin. We don't talk any about sin. That's not the thing that we're going to focus on. We just want to talk about Jesus. And they're presenting a half gospel that's not the gospel. I'm going to tell you something. If I see one more Christian shirt that says, you're enough, I'm going to be sick. Listen, you're not enough. I am not enough. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. Sorry in the sight of God. But for the grace of Jesus Christ, we are saved. The good news is I am not enough, but Jesus my Savior is. <clears throat> a sinless gospel, a repentanceless gospel is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the good news. Sixth thing. There's three more. They're pretty awesome. Sixth one is this. Watch this. Jesus is the one who saves. Ooh, I love this one. Jesus is the one who saves. Verse forty-three. Truly. Now, what that means, I'll just put it in our language. Means this. Truly, take it to the bank. Truly, it is settled. Truly, today you shall be with me in paradise. I want you to notice here in verse 43, Jesus doesn't survey anybody for his conclusion. Jesus doesn't consent anybody else for his conclusion. He doesn't holler down to the high priest, but the Savior from sin The one who came to seek and to save that which is lost. The righteous judge. The way, the truth, and the life says truly it is settled, folks. Jesus is the one who saves. Hebrews, it says, he saves to the utmost. This is maybe my favorite part of the picture. Jesus is the one who saves. It's not given to somebody else. It's not a committee. It's not, it's not a survey. It's taken. Jesus is the one that saved. My favorite part. Jesus is the one that saved. You know why that matters? He's the one that goes to the cross. He's the one that becomes my sin. He's the one that takes my shame. He's the one that is beaten. He's the one that has nails pierced through him. His blood is shed. He dies in agony. And if he had saved himself, we'd have been lost forever. But he gives himself. And so we are saved. Glory be to Jesus. It is through him that we are saved. We're saved through Jesus. Seventh thing. Justification, now that means being set right with God. That's what that means. Justification, when we call out to Jesus, is instant. Justification, when we call out to Jesus, is instant. The Bible says when we call out to Jesus, that our old self dies and our new self lives. The Bible says upon that point that we become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Folks, listen to me. When we call out to Jesus, we are restored. Our broken relationship, it is repaired. Our sinful record, it is forever gone. When we call out to Jesus, we are redeemed from the debt of our sin. And it is instant. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. Listen, when we call out to Jesus, we're declared righteous and it is instant. Well, maybe you need to come to church for half a year. Well, maybe you need to let me see some good work out of your life. Maybe maybe we need to get the rule list out. Listen, when you call out to Jesus nailed to the cross, he didn't have any time and his righteousness is instant in the work of Jesus Christ. That's good news. The eighth thing we see in this gospel of the cross of the criminal, the eighth thing we see is this. Salvation is unity with Christ. What is salvation? Salvation is unity with Christ. Verse 43, Jesus says, you shall be With me. You shall be with me. Now, this is my favorite part. Forget what I said a minute ago. (laughs) Listen to this. Ooh, this is good news. In the finished work of Jesus Christ, in the finished work of the cross, our Savior, there on that cross, as it is finished, our eternal future changes and you listen to me when it is finished our eternal destiny our eternal future changes and when I die listen when I die whenever that is When I die or if Jesus comes back, and I'm gonna tell you, it may be very soon that he comes back, but when I die, when I quit breathing here or when there's a trumpet sound and Jesus comes back on the authority of the very word of God, I am eternally, instantly in the presence of my Lord Jesus, never to be apart from him again. On the day that I die, in the instant that I die, I am in the presence of Jesus, unified with him for eternity. I'll be with Jesus. I'll be with Jesus. Listen, I'll be with Jesus. My dad, you know where he's at? By faith in Christ, he's with Jesus. Dwayne, you know where he's at? He's with Jesus, our loved ones. By faith in Jesus Christ, they are with Jesus. Salvation is unity with my Savior, Jesus. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass that up. Salvation is unity with Jesus. The ninth thing. It is all done in God's grace. This gospel of the criminal's cross shows us this. It is all done, every piece of it, in God's grace. Picture this. Go with me through this. This man, he's nailed to his own cross. And on his cross, maybe you start to see pictures of yourself. On his cross, he's hopeless. He has no hope. He has no hope on that cross. On his cross, he's hopeless. On his his cross there, he's guilty. He's guilty, he did it. On his cross, he's shamed in his sin. He also is stripped naked. Also above his head there are the crimes that he committed. He's shamed there, he is is condemned and rightly so, he's condemned on his cross and he will shortly die. He will die on this cross once there on that cross but twice spiritually he will die. There is nothing he can do. And he's hopeless in his sin, and he's hopeless in death, and he's hopeless in despair, and he's hopeless in himself. But in faith, he cries out, Remember me. Remember me, time is running out. Remember me, I did it, I'm sorry. Remember me, my King, the Messiah. Remember me, my only hope is you. And listen, watch him there. He can't reach out his hand to him. He can't go and throw his arms around him. He can't even fall at his feet. All he can do is nail to his cross, turn his eyes to Jesus and say, oh, but remember me, remember me, remember me. And Jesus says, the gospel says, I remember you. Friends, that's our gospel. That's our our Savior. No sins too big, no distance too far, no work that you can do. That's our gospel. Justification, it's instant. Salvation is unity with Christ. Friends, that is our gospel. That is our Savior. And it's done in the grace of our God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. That is our gospel. Friends, I want to tell you, if you're here today and you've never heard our gospel, that's it. If you're here today and you've heard versions of it but you weren't clear in it, that is it. We are sinners stuck in our sin condemned, nailed to a cross, soon to die once, soon to die twice spiritually. Not one thing can we do. That is us hopeless. But if you turn to Jesus and if you tell him he's the Messiah, he's the hope for sinners, and if you claim him and you call out to him, you will be saved. That is the good news. That is the good news. You will be saved. Listen, if you're here and you've never made that decision, call out to Him. You will be saved. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm so thankful for this profound picture. I'm so p- thankful for this picture of grace. The gospel revealed on a criminal's cross. So thankful for your kindness shown to me as a sinner. Your willingness to forgive. that If you had saved yourself, that's what they wanted you to do. Save yourself. I'd have been lost. And as the Messiah, you stay on the cross for my redemption. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you like that, I pray that today they couldn't couldn't turn their eyes away. They wouldn't walk out of here in their guilt and their shame and their sin. They wouldn't try to go another mile on their own, but today they would surrender to you. They would call you their Lord and Savior. They would trust in you. Lord, I pray that you're moving in their hearts right now. Lord, I pray for many of us here that have made decisions. I pray that we would be shaped again today by this picture of our gospel. We would love you all the more. We would praise you all the more. We would hate our sin. We'd be sick of it even more. We know the remedy for a lost world is this gospel. We tell people all the more. Help us be shaped by this truth today. And the Lord Jesus, I, I pray right now, thanking you for your grace and your kindness, your forgiveness, your sacrifice, your suffering, your blood. By which I'm saved. I praise you, I love you, I thank you for that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.